So we're going to look at uh, Thursday's lesson now. This is with uh, Sola Scriptura and Ellen White. And so in Adventist history, the, the ministry of Ellen White has been in, integral to our founding and, and the development of our message and the various branches of work um, that have uh, progressed uh, through the, over a century now. Um, and she has been an, an inspiration to, to many uh, through her writings, including us. And so the, the, the Sabbath School lesson brings up uh, Sola Scriptura and Ellen White. And this, is, this seems to be on, externally when we look at it, it seems to be uh, a contradiction because it seems like we're talking about the Bible being sufficient for the human being's comprehension of God and the plan of salvation. Uh, and at the same time, we have Ellen White and the charge has been made that she is uh, above scripture or uh, she is uh, whatever. There's, there's been various different uh, uh, that we derive her, our views from uh, regarding uh, our beliefs uh, from her. And then we go to, we read them into scripture, uh, things like that. And these are not, uh, these are not uh, spurious attacks. These are not um, like, uh, these are these are things that are that are worth um, looking at and understanding them in their proper uh, relationship uh, when it comes to scripture. So, um, yeah. So let's uh, let's talk about uh, Ellen White and scripture. Yeah, yeah. I think um, the f the first question that um, we need to ask, um, and especially you know for people outside the church that might have issues with, with how we, the fact that we, we do have somebody like Ellen White. Um, the question is, if we look at scripture, what does the scripture have to say about the possibility of there being additional inspired prophets after the, the close of the New Testament canon? And um, there are denominations that believe that the gifts uh, seized. Um, they, they were discontinued with the death of the apostles. So I, I believe that the term for cessationism, cessationism maybe, something to that effect, where they believe that everything is stopped. Um, other denominations, you know, more on the Pentecostal side of stuff, still believe in spiritual gifts, but maybe not to the same extent as the, the biblical writers. But the, the thing is, if you go to scripture and you just look at the New Testament, give, give an honest look at the New Testament, there isn't any clear, um, you know, any kind of clear statement, any kind of clear instruction that there's not going to be any more prophets after the close of the New Testament. So, um, you know, basically just going with scripture alone, in fact, not only is there no clear indication that this, this is going to be discontinued, but it actually states that uh, the gifts are going to continue all the way to the end of time, you know. So the you know the apostle talks about how there's prophets and teachers and and all this in the church, and they're going to continue on, and they're going to continue to build up the church until the until the coming of Christ. Um, and not just that, but in Revelation, and I know you want to get into that at some point. Revelation itself uh, mentions the presence of the spiritual gifts as part of God's church. So. Uh, there just isn't any real biblical evidence for this idea that uh, there was such a thing as a prophet 
all throughout the Old Testament, all throughout the New Testament, but then it stops and God stops communicating with people some point after the death of John probably. There, there's just no biblical basis for that belief. Yeah. And yeah, so this is... It's up to us, but yeah, right. Yeah, so this is where uh, we come across these, these uh, areas in scripture where the Bible um, says something, but then it doesn't go beyond that. Or it's it's minimalistic in its approach, and so the idea is, um, what do we do from there? Well, if we look at the totality of Scripture, we can understand that God does send prophets. Um, he communicates through human beings so that we can know uh, what's coming uh, around the corner, so to speak. Not so that we can know the future, just for the future itself, but rather that it can build our trust in God and His uh, His dealings with us. And so as we look at um, as we as we look at that, we understand that that the Holy Spirit inspired writers to write Scripture. However, the Holy Spirit included within Scripture a test of experience and a test of uh, the the prophets themselves. So we could compare what the prophet is saying, not only regarding their predictions. So, for example, they say something's going to happen, and then we can wait and see whether it happens or not. Uh, but also, we can also compare. Uh, the message, the the content of the message, with the with the revealed truths of Scripture, and if they contradict, then we know that there's probably some problems with with this prophet, and it may be a false prophet. And so, <clears throat> within that context, we understand um, that there are tests of prophets. We understand the need for prophets. We understand the office of prophets um, and the role of prophets. So, now historically, just going back to history now. Uh, as Adventists read through Scripture, they understood in Revelation that the the remnant church would have a manifestation of the spirit of prophecy, and they took that to mean, or they took that to believe that Ellen White was that manifestation. Now, there were other prophets that were contemporaneous to Ellen White who also had visions and who also had messages for the church. And those messages were received. And then Ellen White continued on with her ministry. And uh, when, we, when I look at Ellen White's writings, I see them uh, and I compare her writings and her beliefs with scripture. I see those writings to be, um, uh, what's the word? To be consistent with scripture's beliefs. So I do not find any problems in her writings when I, when I read her writings and compare them with scripture. So. Um, so in that way, I, I person for myself, I can say with confidence that I believe in the uh, inspiration of Ellen White, and I believe in the manifestation of the spirit of prophecy in her, and I see that as a sign that the Seventh Day Adventist Church is the remnant church because of that manifestation from my reading of Scripture, and so in in that order when I do it, I can see the the value of Ellen White and her contributions uh, to the Adventist church and to the world at large. So to the world at large, uh, Ellen White is experienced mostly through our healthcare and educational systems. She believed in education. She had a very definite idea uh, regarding education being not only training for here, but also for eternity. So there was a certain timeless value to the, the, the principles that were being uh, built into the character of the students. Um, and then there's uh, healthcare itself. She was ahead of her time regarding the evils of smoking and 
just in terms of uh, personal hygiene and things like that. And so, and of course, diet and, and nutrition and the role that diet and nutrition pay, plays on, on the mind, um, abstaining from alcohol and, and other things like that. So the world experiences Ellen White through uh, the work of our sanitariums and our healthcare institutions around the world, whether they're clinics or, or major trauma centers uh, in the United States and around the world. Um, those are also uh, part of her uh, vision or her manifestation of what uh, the, the work in healthcare should be. Um, and its relationship of restoring the human being so that the mind is restored in order to receive uh, the, the truths of scripture. And so in, in all these things, I think um, there is a tremendous value that, that Ellen White brings to the table when we, when we discuss her. But in particular, what we are discussing in this lesson and what we're discussing uh, as, a, as a side discussion is the role Ellen White's writings uh, have played as people have used them uh, throughout Adventist history and the history of Adventist interpretation of scripture. So that is our discussion. Um, yeah, so just just one other thought with this. Um, uh, I want to clarify that, you know, when we talk about there being a prophet, like somebody like Ellen White, uh, we want to make sure I understand that the, the biblical writers and the non-canonical prophets all had the same Holy Spirit and they had the same degree of inspiration and they're just as inspired um, so we're not making a difference in terms of like the quality or the degree of inspiration. That said, for whatever reason, God chose to select out of the totality of prophets that have ever existed and out of the totality of writings, a certain select group that were put together in this package we, we, can, we call the, the biblical canon. And this, this group, of, book, group of writings have a special authority as a basis for for our theology and for the, as a basis for our, our belief system uh, that we don't rely on other other prophets even though we consider them just as inspired uh, we, we we go to the scripture for the for the uh, our beliefs directly so. yeah yeah so when we look at when we look at ellen white um, there's a quotation here where she says, um, in the middle of the of Thursday's lesson, it says, Ellen White's own view, uh, her writings when compared with scripture, were a lesser light to lead men and women to a greater light. Um, her writings were never a shortcut to or placement for any serious Bible study. In fact, she comments, you are not familiar with scriptures. If you had made God's word your study with a desire to reach the Bible standard and to attain Christian perfection, you would not have needed the, te the testimonies. It is because you have neglected to, ex to acquaint yourselves with God's inspired word that he has sought to teach you by simple, direct testimonies. So here, the, uh, what she's saying is, my writings are essentially there to lead you back to scripture. And because you have not spent your time in scripture, you aren't developing the Christian lifestyle that scripture espouses and uh, that, that it teaches. Like, like I discussed in the previous video where we were talking about Proverbs and the biblical worldview, 
um, not only of God to us, but of us towards God and towards other human beings. So as we, as we understand the, the maturing of the Christian experience and we understand uh, what biblical perfection is, um, we can see that the, the lack of Bible study uh, has a detrimental effect on that experience. And the, the whole point of, of her writings was to lead us back to Scripture. And if we are in Scripture, then we are fulfilling her, uh, her mission. However, what people have done is what they were doing in her day and what they've, they're, to some degree, and what they've done more in our day is rather than go to Scripture, they are content in Ellen White. I know some people who just read Ellen White exclusively in the Bible sporadically. Or when they do read the Bible, they read into the Bible Ellen White's uh, writings. And what they reason is that if Ellen White is inspired as Paul, it's just like if I'm reading Romans or I'm reading Jeremiah, it's the same thing. And it's like, no, that's not, that's, uh, we, we should probably like break down and discuss that a little bit. But that is not consistent with, with serious Bible study. So yeah. how, how, does, how do these uh, errors develop when, when people um, take her writings and then read into scripture her writings and reason that, like, like I said, her inspiration is equal to that of Paul? Yeah. Yeah. So, so there's a certain sequence to how we're supposed to relate to the, the scripture and, and to otherwise writings. Um, and Ellen White's writings are, are meant to be kept uh, as dependent on the authority of scripture, not as having inherent authority. So in order to be able to keep her writings in that, in that state, you have to go to the scripture first and figure out what the scripture teaches on its own and then use that first to test and then to, to make sense of whatever everyone has to say on top of that. But what ends up happening with everyone, like a lot of people, is that, it, that the reverse happened. They actually go through her writings because sometimes it's easier to understand or it's more entertaining. I mean, you, you know, you read, a, you read something like The Desire of Ages and there's so much more detail, so much imagery. more yeah. Yeah, imagery yeah. and so much more there to, to like, Grasp, grab the imagination and to, you know, to kind of trans, transport you to what actually was happening in the time of Jesus or in, at any other part in biblical history. And people prefer to read that. And they, as, as they go through her writings, they develop a belief system. They have certain ideas of what, what you know, God is going to do and what God, God wants us to do and all this thing, like an entire belief system. But they get it from her writings. And then when they read scripture, they assume you know, the scripture is just going along with whatever they already believe. Um, now, by doing it that way, they, they've kind of flipped the process upside down because what they need to do is they, they need to first go to scripture, set aside any prior beliefs, regardless if it's coming from a, a true prophet or not, put everything aside, and then go to the scripture first and see what the scripture has to say, and then use that to test the prophet with, first of all, and, and go from there. So. Um, yeah, and you've said this before regarding uh, regarding tests. So, uh, like a test can't be greater than than scripture itself. Yeah, right. There's a way that you say it. Um, so yeah. So going going back to uh, understanding her writings, there now these are we're talking about the problems 
Now, when you're talking about the problems that result from her writings, those are not a reflection of her. Let's just be, let's just be very clear. Not a reflection of her, they're not a reflection of her work or uh, the value of her writings. We're talking about people who misuse her writings. So what ends up happening is <clears throat> there are people who, who read her writings and they try to develop an understanding of scripture from her writings. And they, they believe that her writings, because they're newer, are almost, they treat her writings almost as if they're canonical. And they sometimes believe that it's actually the third testament. It's like the newer stuff. Yeah. So you've mentioned uh, um, uh, Muslims in the past. So I'll mention one of the experiences because I, I grew up uh, in a Muslim country. One of the things that people would say in their um, rejection of scripture, even though they accepted Jesus as a prophet, was that Muhammad was the newer prophet. And so he, therefore he had the latest revelation from God. He had the latest message from God. And so the newness of it was uh, superseded the old. And all I could say was that I believe what the Bible teaches and I test uh, all prophets from scripture. And this is very important because we aren't the only ones that have a prophet or who say we have a prophet. There are other denominations who base their writings on people who they believe have been called by God yeah. and, and have, have done tremendous work. And I'm thinking of, of uh, the Latter-day Saints um, or the Mormons as we know them. Um, they have a tremendous network around the world uh, of missionaries and of educational institutions and healthcare institutions. And uh, they, they service uh, human beings everywhere admirably. Um, and they have a prophet as well. However, what we are saying is that we judge all prophets, including Ellen White, by scripture. And we don't develop our theology from her writings or any other prophet's writings outside of, of, of scripture. So Ellen White, what Ellen White did with her writings is she went to scripture. She studied scripture. She understood it inside and out. And she wrote through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, obviously, her writings and her experiences. But she's an example to us of what we could do if we went to scripture and if we developed from scripture our worldview. And even though we may not write books, we're writing the book of our lives and our lives have an impact on other people. And so it's like they're experiencing the Bible in our, in our uh, experience, uh, physically, so to speak. And so the importance here is in placing in the, the correct uh, understanding regarding where her writings are and where scripture is. And scripture is always going to be primary. It was in her life and it is, and it should be uh, in our Bible study as well. Ellen White in her final uh, talk to the general conference um, at the end of her career, uh, she uh, finished her speech. She had made, I think, seven different speeches and at the last speech she finished a speech and she walked away from the podium and then she walked right back to the podium and she picked up the bible and she said gentlemen gentlemen i commend to you this book that was the ending of her career and that is what she commended to the general conference and to those that were present and down through history and so in 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 that moment she confirmed once again uh, her calling which was uh, the, the veracity of her calling, which was that she was sent by God to bring us back to scripture. And every true prophet will do that. 
from now on out, if we have another prophet, let's just say, or if there's any other prophet that is manifested, they will bring us back to scripture. And if, yeah, so that's what I would say uh, uh, regarding her writing. Now, I, I want to make one more point. And there is, there is this movement in, in our church, uh, which we are starting to work towards uh, formally uh, to, to evaluate it. But there is a movement in our church to consider Ellen White to be above other sources, so other human sources, above other sources, but below scripture. And I think that um, we, we still need to, to develop our ideas regarding, regarding that particular point of view. Uh, however, when we relate to other Christians that are not in our church, it is, uh, uh, Mrs. White has, has, has given us advice regarding that. She has said, do not use my writings when, we're, when we are witnessing to other people or when we are in uh, uh, argumentation regarding uh, script, the data in scripture itself and its interpretation. Do not use my writings. And there's a reason for that. One of, it, one of those reasons is logical, simply because we have a shared uh, set of data, which is scripture, that all of us have access to, all Christians all over the world. And this is something that we can use as a way to explain why we believe uh, our beliefs. And it is something that they can uh, use as well. It's a neutral uh, ground. And this is the ground from which we develop salvation. So other Christians, other Protestant Christians, except the 66 books, we accept them as well. And we develop our theology from this from this body of data. However, if we bring Ellen White's body of data as well, which is voluminous, what ends up happening is not only do those Christians have to deal with the 66 books, but now they have to deal with another 100,000 words or whatever, or books or whatever it is, pages of, of writing uh, that are available, which is a huge volume of data uh, in and of itself. And now there's some people that are watching this that will be like, well, wonderful uh we we can spend all our time just just reading uh that that new uh, revelation so to speak but that is not what uh that is not what we're called to do we are called to be the people of the book we have uh, developed our entire theology from scripture and we have a message that we've derived from scripture and that message has to be shared uh in an organized fashion all over the world as a witness as a living witness to people. And so for that matter, for that reason, we base all our argumentation from scripture. And it is far easier to do it that way because the tests of the prophet are there. Uh, the, the reality of the spirit of prophecy is in scripture. And, and as people understand what the Bible is teaching, when they take the totality of scripture, when they read, uh, scripture and they understand our choice regarding scripture uh, and our rejection of other sources for revelation. When, once we understand, once we once they understand that, then they can see, like I described earlier, uh, the logical uh, progression, which is yes, the remnant church will have uh, a manifestation of the spirit of prophecy and uh, hear the test of the prophet, and then they apply it to Ellen White, and lo and behold she passes those tests and 
uh, her body of writings then become meaningful to them. However, our whole goal in this in this world is not to convert people to Ellen White. <laughs> as as uh, nice as that might be, our whole goal is to uh, bring people to Jesus and to uh, help them understand the role that Jesus can play in their life and the sacrifice that he's made, the work that he is doing in heaven on our part as, as our high priest uh, being, uh, during, and the, the advocate that he is during the investigative judgment uh, on our record. And so all these different uh, truths that are in scripture, we, we hold them because they're in scripture. And the fact that Ellen White endorses them is just a further endorsement of scripture. It's not anything more or anything less. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, one, the, the thing you referred to earlier is, is um, um, trying to think how to explain it. So, uh, you know, some of, some of our, our um, theologians or, or different people in the church, um, I think what they did is they, they thought this would be like a ingenious tactic to use with Christians outside, like other Christians from other denominations, to help them better understand how we relate to Ellen White. Because there's always been this tension where people point to us and say, you know, you guys are just like the Mormons, you're just like the uh, Christian scientists and all these other people because you have a prophet. And I think some of our people thought, you know what, maybe they can relate better to Ellen White if we present her to them in a way that they understand and they can appreciate because all of these different Christian groups, all the different Protestant denominations have key people in their church history that they elevate, uh, not all the way up to the level of the Bible, but they elevate to a high, um, a place of high respect because they're the ones that began the tradition. So for example, uh, you know, for a lot of the Reformed churches, Calvin is, is a key figure. You know, Lutherans put you know, Luther and Melanchthon in high regard. Uh, <clears throat> a lot of the um, Methodist Augustine church, Aquinas for the Catholic Church. Yeah, Aquinas for the Catholics yeah. and Augustine, uh, you know, uh, Wesley. Or Augustine. Augustine. Um, what was I saying? Yeah, Wesley for the Methodists and so on. Mm-hmm. So there, there's key people in every denomination, and they thought, well, some of our people have thought, well, if we if we present a little white as that key person for our church, they could relate to it better because all these people have had an impact on the theology of this different denomination. So you know, for example, uh, a Methodist might be studying the Bible and then they might say, okay, I wonder how do I interpret this section or how do I make sense of this part of the Bible? And they could actually go back to, to Wesley and consult his writings to get some kind of direction in how to make sense of stuff. So they, they hold a, a hermeneutical role, as we say, like basically they, they contribute to the interpretive process of that particular religious tradition. And we could say, well, Ellen White holds a similar role in our church. Now, we, uh, I want to say I, but I think you agree with me here. We don't think this is a good idea because actually the point of Adventism is to call people away from that, away from that habit. We would call it a bad habit of having these various traditions 
whether they're recent, sometime within Protestant history, or even going back all the way to the church fathers, and, and relying on these things to in, in interpreting scripture, as opposed to actually looking for the, the, the correct methodology to derive everything from the Bible directly. And by, yeah. by trying to put Ellen White in that same place, we're just encouraging uh, the, the very thing that has fragmented Protestantism for 500 years now because everybody goes through some tradition that they've, they've become part of and they rely, they rely on these traditions in their interpretative process and, and they can never get along. They can never reconcile with each other because they're always stuck within these traditions. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and uh, yeah, explaining fragmentation is very simple. If you use, let's just go with the sources first. If you use different sources, different people place different emphasis on different sources. So you may place a greater emphasis on science. I may place a greater emphasis on personal experience or on culture or on tradition or on some prophet or whatever. And as a result, uh, our differences in, in uh, our uh, emphasis of, of uh, you know, our epistemological weight, let's say, um, causes friction, causes fragmentation because we can never agree uh, which, which source is authoritative. Now, when you go within scripture or when you go within a tradition, you end up with people who hold one church father or one church person uh, higher than everybody else and multiple people hold multiple people higher. And as a result, then you end up with, with fragmentation as well. Protestants started out just one monolithic group, but then they broke into, they shattered into a million pieces over these over these precise problems in in, in sources and in interpretive authoritative uh, bodies when it comes to the interpretation of scripture. Adventists, on the other hand, started out by saying we are going to rely on scripture alone, really rely on scripture alone. We're going to reject tradition. And by rejecting tradition, they rejected the first 300 years and they rejected uh, the, rest, the rest of the thousand years or whatever of uh, church fathers and their interpretations and the magistrate, whatever. Like the, the whole idea of, um, of people developing a body of understanding and then us having to rely on that for our interpretation of scripture. We believe that scripture alone is enough to, to do that. Even Luther, when he started out, he he held to the idea of sola scriptura. However, he himself borrowed from what he believed to be the pure uh, tradition. And as a result, he, he, bought into, he brought into his theology some of uh, the errors that they had, and it led uh, into problems. But then as Protestant, Protestantism developed immediately right after him, uh, wars resulted because of uh, the fragmentation that came from uh, different authorities. And this is where the Catholic Church then turned around and said, look, that's the reason why we have the church. That's the reason why we have this body of, of uh, church doctors who, who have set the bounds of theology and interpretation. And uh, all we, you know, so we have an established solution, look at yours. And then the American denominational experiment just continued to fragment and continue to develop that same uh, problems uh, through, throughout its history. Adventists, so far, even though we have, we, we are now experiencing, the, now we are experiencing those tensions as well, because not only have uh, our, some of our theologians brought, bought into the multiple 
uh, sources framework, but we also have uh, other individuals or movements in the church, historic Adventism to be one, um, that have now decided that Ellen White is equal to scripture or Ellen White is authoritative enough to the point where her writings um, have bearing on scripture and our interpretation of it. And that in itself causes fragmentation because I've, I've witnessed that at churches, Sabbath afternoon discussions, Bible studies, people place one you know, emphasis on the Greek controversy and a single passage there versus somebody read something contradictory in, in the, the testimonies or somewhere else. And, uh, and as a result, you end up with, with people uh, having conflicts of, of, of interpretation uh, in, in our own Bible studies. And so that fragmentation has been revealed in the independent ministry network as well. You have all these independent ministries that cannot work together. None of them can work together. None of them can agree what scripture is saying. They cannot agree what Ellen White is saying on any issue. And as a result, we have multiple, uh, you know, fragments of, of uh, these ministries all over the place doing their thing all by themselves. So uh, that in, its, in and of itself is also a testament to uh, what happens when internally within a church, you end up with a multiple source uh, uh, issues. Now, formally within our uni university seminaries, we have people who are, who are now suggesting that Ellen White should be somewhere below scripture, but above men. And, and, uh, but in and of, in and although that idea is something that is admirable, we are saying that logically speaking, that there is a problem there as well. And those problems are number one, uh, Ellen White herself contradicted that, that, that whole idea. But beyond that, there's issues with the way uh, we would then derive our theology and work through our theology and the veracity with which, or the confidence with which the world can accept our, our ideas and our findings for scripture. So if we say that we are people of the book, let's be people of the book. Yeah. And let's do what Ellen White said, which is go back to the book and, and derive our, our entire uh, theology from there. So these are things that, are, that people are wrestling with, and we're continuing to, to dialogue with people as much as they're willing uh, to, to discuss these issues and uh, to develop um, a better idea. I, I, I think we should probably close here, unless you have anything major to say, but uh, just, I will just... say... Yeah, go, go ahead. Finish your thought, and then I have a final thought as well. But go ahead. Okay. So my final thought is that, uh, regardless of the problems that we have talked about uh, when it comes to scripture or Ellen White, you are you are best served by reading scripture. Just just read it. You're best served by by reading scripture. Um, if you have if you have difficulties understanding it. Um, we can recommend some really good sources, for example, the SDA Bible Commentary and, and other uh, sources of uh, uh, commentaries within, script, within the Adventist Church. However, the best, the best expositor or the best teacher is Scripture itself. So if once you learn to study Scripture and you learn to read it, you will see Scripture explain itself over time. And things will make sense that you that may not have been clear in the beginning, uh, but as you continue to persevere, you will you'll find that clarity. Obviously, uh, scripture can be spiritually understood through prayer and through uh, through communication with God. Uh, the Holy Spirit has to guide your your mind as you are interpreting His Word, and uh, 
even though atheists can read can read the Bible and can even atheists can read the Bible without without the Holy Spirit and still come to a correct understanding. To actually live that understanding, uh, it requires the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. It re- requires an entire change from within, and the Bible will change you if you let it. So that is that is my uh, my major point. When it comes to Ellen White, it's the same thing. I am one of those rare people that have read all her writings all the way from the top with Acts of the Apostles all the way down to the manuscript releases. And um, what, I'm, what I'm saying is when you read the totality of her writings, her writings all balance out. They make sense. However, the, the whole point of her writings is to bring us back to scripture. And while I read them and I, and I enjoy them and I am blessed by them, I believe that, her, her, that if I just remained in them alone, I would have failed uh, or she would have failed in her in her mission to bring me back to scripture and for that reason I prioritize my study uh, from scripture and I have been blessed because of it so the very first thing that you can do if you're watching this and you're wondering where you start just start reading scripture just start reading from Genesis and read your way through suffer through some of the genealogies and you know the, the tedious chapters so-called tedious chapters uh, but over time, you will see the, the drama of the human experience, and you will also see God's guidance, and you'll be inspired by it. Yeah, yeah, that's that's probably a, a, a good ending, a good note to finish on. Uh, the, the only thought I had um, was that one of the reasons why people challenge this concept of sola scriptura, and they they feel the need to either include Ellen White or to include other sources is because they don't quite see how you could do theology with the Bible alone. And the reality is there's so many different opinions out there, so many denominations that a person, it's almost natural for a person to say, well, they're all reading the Bible. How come they can't agree on what the Bible says? But what I believe we have to offer the world as Adventists is precisely that. As Adventists, the one thing, probably more than anything else, that we have been called here to do or we have been granted the, the, the gift or whatever to, to, to give the world is the fact that we can show people how to come to Scripture in a way where it is possible to make sense of it on its own without relying on anything. And that and it's is replicable. Huh? It's replicable. It's replicable. Exactly. So, for example, if you say this is how I did it, someone can go and follow those steps and come to the same conclusions. Yeah. If, if uh, you are, you know, forthright about, about your steps and about your presuppositions and all this yeah, stuff, exactly. or your assumptions, your assumptions. Uh, and, and the process is, is sensible. In other words, a, a reasonable person, if, if they looked at the, the methodology or the process that we're following, they would say, yes, it totally makes sense that a book like the Bible should be read and understood in this particular way. So we have this thing that we can give people, uh, you know, a whole, a whole group of Christians, a world of Christians that have been struggling to make sense of this and have been unable to do it so far. We're, we're, we're coming to them and saying, look, there is a way to come to Scripture that actually brings everything together and makes sense of, of this whole thing. And it is... It is actually detrimental. It actually backfires on us when we bring other things along with scripture. Because if we have to bring other things along, then we don't have a solution. We're in the same uh, 
state of confusion like everybody else is trying to figure out how to make sense of scripture. But if we will come to them with scripture alone, then we actually have something to offer. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, there's a closing thought to the closing thought. Yeah. <laughs> there's a, when we talk about, when we talk about the role of reason in the interpretation of scripture, we're not talking about common thought. People equate common thought with reason. What we're talking about is uh, a logical process that can be followed by somebody else. And you write down your process. You write down formally how you arrived at your opinion. And um, that logical reasoning is a very is is a formal way of doing it. And um, in that you you can state your assumptions, you can state your biases, you can state your your presuppositions, and you can be open to correction as well. And in a reasoned process. Now, when a child reads scripture, they read it, and they they can understand scripture as as the the Sabbath school talks about it. They can understand that Jesus is a uh, is a being, uh, is God, and that, that He has come to save us. And there's various stories in scripture that are inspiration and inspirational and uh, compelling, and they can they can quickly grasp those things. But that is not. Um, when we're talking about reason there, that is, that is common, common thought or that's common reasoning. Okay. That's different from what a, what a formal theologian would do or what a serious Bible student would do. And so um, the battle between uh, uh, people who are trying to develop uh, a sort of quadrilateral within the Seventh Adventist Church in which Ellen White is higher than other sources um, is a serious debate that needs to occur, but it is one that is not happening uh, in a in a meaningful way, partly because the people that are primarily uh, advocating it are not theologians. That's that's probably the 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 the, the most important thing. Um, the 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 other part is there's other various uh, issues there. But what I'm saying is those are those are some uh, some of the other problems as well. But anyway, in in this discussion with Sola Scripture and, and Ellen White, I personally believe, like I said that Ellen White is inspired. Uh, and I believe that she passes the test of the prophet given in scripture. I think that she's subject to scripture. Um, and I think that that scripture is, uh, is primary and that her whole goal and her whole ministry was to drive us back to scripture. And in doing so, uh, the legacy of the Seventh Adventist Church is apparent and the legacy of her work and the veracity uh, and the authenticity of her work is uh, apparent because of what we have accomplished in spreading the, the three angels messages across the globe and uh, the forwardness of her thinking, the, the depth of her thought um, and the expression of her personal life uh, is consistent with someone who was a serious Bible student and who took the Bible seriously. And I take great comfort in knowing that when I am studying scripture, that I'm fulfilling what her role was in uh, to the Adventist Church. We thank you so much for uh, joining us in this uh, discussion, and uh, we invite you to continue to study further um, in uh, the Adventist uh, Handbook of the Handbook of Seventh Adventist Theology, for the different uh, sections that are mentioned there, the book education, some messages, and uh, of course in your discussion uh, right now in uh, uh, through long distance as uh, you know, on social media or on different video platforms as you engage in scripture. May God bless you 
as you study it and as you prayerfully uh, ask the Holy Spirit to change your life, change your mind and change your heart so that you live in consistency with God's will. 